for those that would take time on their busy schedules to be here. And Lord, we ask that you would just bless the time as we study your word and as we learn from the Bible. And we, of course, understand that the only thing worth anything in this world is the word of God. And the only thing that can change our lives is the Word of God. And Father, I pray you bless the next few moments as we study your Word. Lord, help it not to just be a time where we can say, oh, that was interesting and we came to church. But Lord, that we would allow the Word to have a work in our hearts and that it would bring a change into our lives, Lord, for your honor and your glory. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Matthew chapter 15. And Matthew 15 has a lot of... A lot of stuff in it, of course. Every every chapter in Matthew has a lot of stuff in it. And I really, I kind of want to skip the first 20 verses because I really want to get to that story of that lady. It, it just goes well with the Sunday morning sermon about the Jews being God's chosen people. But I'm just going to have to uh, wait a week for that because we need to deal with the text as it comes. Um, also, just for some of you, in case in, in case you didn't know, we, we didn't, you know, you didn't like, it wasn't deja vu, okay? There's two stories in the Bible of Jesus feeding a multitude, and uh, there's actually two times that Jesus did that, and we'll look at the other one in the next couple weeks as well, and uh, make some comparisons and look at a few differences in regards to that. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 15, if you look at verse 1, the Bible says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem. Now here's what you need to understand, okay? Jesus at this time is in Galilee, which is the northern part of Israel. Jerusalem is in Judah, which is the southern part of Israel. The scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, lets us know that there seems to be different sects of scribes and Pharisees. Maybe there were some northern scribes and Pharisees, some southern scribes and Pharisees. Of course, Judah and Jerusalem being the capital and and the religious center there. These scribes probably had a little more, uh, you know seriousness to them, or maybe uh, they were just considered a little more important. And these guys make a trip up to Galilee uh, to question and to uh, really just kind of investigate the ministry of Jesus Christ. And if you notice what it says, let's read verse 1 again. It says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why? Now here's the question they ask. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of elders, for they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, when I read that, the, you know, here you have a delegation of scribes and Pharisees from Jerusalem coming to check out and question the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they ask their big question, you know, they, I'm sure they had a lot of pomp and a lot of, you know, uh, they show up and they got this group and they come to Jesus. They show up in town and it's like, where is, you know, this Jesus who's doing all these miracles? They bring them to Jesus and they say, you know, we got the Pharisees here and the scribes and they're from Jerusalem. And when they ask them, big question. Here's the question. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now when I read that, I think to myself, really? I mean, that's what you got? I mean, you're going to come all the way to, you know, from Jerusalem to Galilee to question the ministry of Christ. And here's your big question. Here's your big accusation. Here's your big problem. Your disciples, we notice, did not wash their hands before lunch. And it's silly. And it's dumb. But you got to understand, okay, it's not about hygiene. It's about tradition. Notice, notice what it says. Verse 2, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? The Judaism religion of Jesus' day had came up with a bunch of traditions. 
that the people had to do. And, and it came to the point of silliness and, and things like this where if you didn't wash your hands before you ate, you weren't right with God type thing. And these uh, disciples of Jesus, you know, they were having lunch, they were eating, they didn't wash their hands. Now I want you to notice, they accused Christ and His disciples of not following the traditions. But notice, Jesus accuses the Pharisees of not following God's Word. And Jesus comes back, uh, you know, with this answer, verse 3. But He answered and said unto them. Now notice what Jesus says. He says, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Now here's what you need to understand, okay? Religious people are oftentimes worried about traditions. But God is worried about one thing, the Word of God. And he says, look, you're going to question me about the fact that we didn't follow your silly little rule that God never even told you you had to do. But he says, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? He said, some of your traditions actually break the commandments of God. He said, that's what I want to know. That's what he says to the Pharisees. And Jesus gives them an example of this observation that he's made. He says, your traditions are breaking commandments of God. And he said, let me give you an example. Verse 4. He said, for God commanded, saying, honor thy father and mother. And he that curses the father or mother, let him die the death. Now, here's what you got to understand. That's a commandment from God, obviously, from Exodus, you know, the Ten Commandments. God commanded, saying, honor thy father and thy mother. Now, keep your finger in Matthew 15. That's obviously our text for tonight. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5, towards the end of the New Testament. Find all those T-books. 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus. Now, keep your finger, keep a bulletin or something in that area of the Bible in 1 Timothy. Because we're going to come back to Matthew, and then we're going to go back to 2 Thessalonians. So, keep your finger there so we can get there quickly. But God says, for God commanded, saying, honor thy father and mother. And he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. Now, usually when we read that commandment, honor thy father and mother, we think of the word honor in a sense of like respect and reverence, which is totally what the Bible teaches. I mean, that's totally correct. The Bible teaches that children are to honor their parents. They are to be respectful to their parents. And we're actually going to talk about that in Isaiah chapter 3 on Sunday night. Uh, God talks a lot about the subject of disrespectful children. And I'm telling you, we live in a society where children are disrespectful. And the Bible teaches that honor thy father and mother. But you need to understand this, okay? The word honor not only has to do with respect, it also has to do with a financial responsibility of taking care of, your, taking care of your parents when they are not able to do so. You say, well, where does that say that in the Bible? Okay, go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let me just give you one example. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at verse 3. Here the Bible is talking to a church. It says, honor widows. Okay? A widow is a woman who was married and her husband died. The Bible says, honor widows. Now notice that are widows indeed. And God actually gives us a qualification because the Bible teaches that a church is supposed to financially care for a widow, but God gives us some very specific qualifications of what He considers a widow indeed. Okay, so before you start asking me for a check or something, you know, you might want to check out those qualifications and make sure you meet those. Look at verse 4. But if any widow have children or nephews. Okay, so He says, honor widows that are widows indeed, but if any widow have children or nephews... Let them learn first to show piety at home. Okay, the word piety 
That word means reverence, respect, or honor. So that's the same concept of honoring father and mother, right? Because he says, honor widows that are widows indeed. If any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show honor at home. Let them first show, learn to show uh, respect, reverence at home. Now notice this. How are you going to show that respect to your mother or to your aunt who is a widow? How are you going to show that respect at home? Notice this. And to requite... At, um, and to requite uh, their parents. Okay, I want you to make notice of that word requite. The word requite means to make an appropriate return or recompense. It means, it, it means this, to return a favor. And here's what God's trying to say. Your mom took care of you when you could not care for yourself. So it is your job, son daughter, nephew, to return the favor when they're in the place in their life when they cannot care for themselves, you are to requite them at home. You are to return the favor. You are to recompense them and care for them when they're not able to care for themselves. That's what the Bible teaches. So when the Bible says honor widows, it's telling us to meet their financial needs when they're not able to care for themselves. It says, but if any widow have children or nephews, then the church doesn't have to meet their financial needs. Let their children and their nephews learn to show honor or piety at home and to recompense or return the favor and requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable for God. So it is our job, when your mom and dad took care of you, you couldn't take care of yourself, it's your job to return the favor and care for them when they're not able to care for yourself. That's what the Bible teaches. Go back to Matthew 15. So when Jesus said, the Bible teaches that you are to honor your father and mother, He says, but you, by your traditions, have broken the commandments of God. Notice what He continues to say. And and by the way, that definition fits with what Jesus is talking about here in verse number 5. Because remember, in verse 4, He said... For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Verse 5. But ye say, so he's like, this is what God said, honor your father and mother, but here's what you said. Here's what your tradition says. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. Okay, now in, in, the, in the parallel passage, and we're not going to take the time to go there, but in the parallel passage in Mark, it uses the word Corbin. Which is talking about giving a gift to the temple. And notice what it says. Look at the wording. It says, But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother. So here's what they're saying. They're supposed to be honoring their father and mother. But they said, If I tell my mom and dad, It is a gift. Or it is Corbin. It is a gift that I'm going to present the temple. Notice. By whatsoever thou, talking about your mom and dad, mightest be profited by me. Here's basically, well look at verse 6. And honor not their father or his mother. So, when they do this, when they say it is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be proper to me, and honor is not thy father or mother, he shall be free. Notice, he's telling them, he's telling them, God told you to honor your father and your mother. But you say that if you tell your mom and dad it's a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or mother, notice this phrase, he shall be free. Meaning, he's not indebted to them, Thus, have you made the commandment of God of non-effect by your tradition? You say, what is, Professor, what is Jesus talking about? Here's what he's saying. Basically, here's what they're saying. They're supposed to care for their family. Their mom and dad. They're supposed to take care of them. Now, you know, my wife and I actually had my wife's grandmother live with us for like a year. Where we took care of her. And, you know, her great, her, her grandmother. So my children's great-grandmother. And, you know, if you've never had an elderly person, you know, live in your house that you took care of. It takes a lot of work. And it takes a lot of money. 
And it's not easy. And basically, what these Pharisees are doing is they're looking at their mom and dad and saying, I don't want to take on this debt. I don't want to take on this workload. I don't want to have to do all this. So here's basically what they're doing. They're, they're saying, hey, mom and dad, here's the thing. I gave an extra offering at the temple. So I no longer have to care for you. They're saying, it'd be, they're saying I, I, I put an extra $5 in the offering plate. So now, you know, go find another home. I don't have to care for you. Because obviously giving a little extra in the offering plate is a lot easier than caring for an elderly person in your home where you have to like bathe them and change their diaper and you know feed them three meals a day. And Jesus is teaching, he says, you have this tradition that if you are just too busy to take care of your parents, you just bring a gift to the altar and, and if you tell your parents it is a gift by whatsoever that might be profited of me and you don't honor them, then you're free. And he says, thus have you made the commandment of God of non-effect. And he's saying, you've got traditions that actually break what God has told you to do, and you're accusing us of not doing your tradition that God never even told you to do. Do you understand the, the dilemma? The accusations going back and forth? Now, did you keep your finger in 1 Timothy? Uh, go to 2 Thessalonians, right before 1 Timothy, you should have 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and look at verse 15. I want you to understand something about traditions. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions. Now you say, well, I thought Jesus said that traditions were bad. Jesus didn't say traditions were bad. Jesus said the traditions that cause you to break God's commandments are bad. Notice what Paul says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Both references to the Word of God. Here's what he's saying. There's nothing wrong with a tradition as long as it lines up with God's Word. But when you have a tradition that goes against the Word of God, then you've got problems. And, and you've you got to understand, you may be looking at this and thinking to yourself, you know, does this even really happen in real life? I mean, does this apply to us today? There are churches today who elevate their church tradition above God's Word. You may have heard of one. It's called the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church teaches, I'm not bashing them tonight. You know, I, I, I'll do that another night. I, you know, I'm telling you exactly what they teach. They openly teach, go on their website, go talk to some priest, and they openly teach that church tradition is on par with the Word of God. And that's why they do so many silly things that are in the Bible. And you call them on it and you say, well, listen, the Bible says you're not supposed to do that. And they say, yeah, but church tradition says we're supposed to do that. And they teach that tradition is equal to the Word of God. So it's not, you know, even today there are major religions that teach this concept. But here's the question. Did Jesus believe that? No, he didn't. Jesus said, look, your traditions are causing you to break the commandments. And, and you got to understand this. Today, this is a, you know, you, you may look at this and think like, this doesn't apply. But today, there are so many play, places in, in Christian circles where this applies. Let me give you some personal examples, okay? We started Verity Baptist Church, you know, maybe three years, eight months ago, something like that. Three, close to four years ago. And you know, in the last four years, or just a little bit under four years, we've had independent fundamental Baptists. King James Only Baptist, come to our church, and they say, man, that, the preaching was great, man, it was really nice, man, we really like the zeal for soul winning, but then they say this, they say, we're leaving your church, and they'll even accuse us and say, you have a bad church, 
you are a liberal. I, I love it when an independent Baptist calls me a liberal. You know what I mean? I'm like, you want to talk about fundamentalism. Okay? And, they, and they'll say, you're a liberal. And I'll say, what, why am I a liberal? You know, I don't want to be a liberal. I hate liberals. You know, help me correct this. And they'll say, because you don't have Sunday school. Now, here's the thing. Show me in the Bible where anyone in the Bible ever had anything that came close to or even looked like Sunday school. You can't find it. There's no Sunday school in the Bible. You never find in the Bible Paul, you know, saying, hey, let's get you all the little kids over here and let's have, you know, uh, this lady teach them the Bible. You don't find that in the Bible. In the Bible, you find Paul addressing the parents and the children in the church service, assuming that they were there. In the Bible, you find the entire family to come together for the church service. Husband, wife, and children. In the Bible, you find the entire congregation. And by the way, that's why we are what's called a family integrated church. We keep the entire family together because that's what the Bible says. Yet people look at us and they say, you're a liberal because you don't have Sunday school. And I ask them, well, where in the Bible does it teach that you are to have Sunday school? Because I can show you verse after verse after verse that says you are to keep the children with the parents. I can show you Jesus when the disciples were telling the parents and say, hey, take that kid to the nursery and hey, take that kid to the Sunday school where Jesus is saying, suffer the little children to come unto me. I can show you tons of verses where the Bible is very clear that the family says, show me a verse where uh, it says that you're to have Sunday school and here's what they all say. Well, every Baptist church I've ever gone to has a Sunday school. So here's what they're saying. It's a tradition. But it, but it goes against God's word. And see, today people say, you're a liberal because you don't have Sunday school. We had a we have people say, you know, they, they, they'll call us. Uh, we're looking for a church. Good, we're a church. <laughs> we're looking for a Baptist church. Hey, we're a Baptist church. We're looking for a King James Baptist church. We're a King James Baptist We're looking for a soul winning church. We're a soul winning church. Uh, okay, well, one more thing. Do you have a bus ministry? Oh, oh man, I can't, I can't go to your church. Okay, show me in the Bible where Peter ran a bus. Oh, they didn't have buses, no. Okay, show me where he ran a charity. Show me in the Bible where people went out. And here, here's what's interesting. These fundamental Baptist churches that don't go soul winning. Are you listening to me? They don't go soul winning. They don't knock on doors. They don't preach the gospel. They don't even attempt to give the gospel to anybody. They go around with a bunch of lollipops in their hands. Like a bunch of pedophiles looking for children that are playing alone. And inviting little children to church. So that they can fill a bus. So that they can send it to some magazine and say, We have 500 people in church because we filled the bus with a bunch of candy. Which is not in the Bible, which is not in Scripture. You say, are you, are you, look, I'm just telling you this. It's a tradition of man. It's not in the Bible. It doesn't exist. Show me in the Bible where God says we are to go and find a bunch of little kids and bring them to church and ignore their parents. You know what the Bible says to do? Go preach the gospel to every creature. And we have a van that we send out and we pick, but you know what? We pick up families and we pick up adults. We're not a babysitting service around here where you just drop off your kids so you can go get high somewhere. So are you upset about it? I'm just saying this. Show me in the Bible. You can't show me in the Bible where it teaches that we're to have a bus ministry. Yet people will look at our church and say, you guys aren't real Baptists. Because you don't have a... You know what they're doing? They're elevating their tradition. Right. Above the Word of God. Let me give you another example. People have quit our church. I really like your church, but I can't go there because you don't have an altar call. Show me in the Bible where you're supposed to have an altar call. Show me in the Bible where God says that you are to, after the service, where I'm supposed to stand here in front, and then you're supposed to come and bow before me as you get right with God, like I'm some sort of a pope. Show me in the Bible where it says to do that. It doesn't. But yet, that's their, that's their criteria. This is what makes a good church. You have an altar call, you have a bus ministry, you have a Sunday school, three things that are not in the Bible, and 
and here's their excuse. Well, every Baptist church I've ever gotten to does it. Okay, but that's a tradition of man. It's not in the Word of God. You say, are you upset about it? A little bit. No, I'm not that upset about it. Honestly, I don't really care. You know, here, my philosophy is this. If you come to our church and you go to some liberal church and you can't tell the difference, you don't belong here anyway. You know what I mean? Like, if you, you can't even tell the difference between us and some liberal Baptist church, like, you, you might as well just go over there. So, but here's the point. Their tradition is elevated above the Word of God. And we're to the point where people don't even really care what the Bible says. You can say, well, look, the Bible says that we're, we're supposed to go out soul winning two by two. Jesus actually did that, knocking doors, preaching the gospel. We do that. But we don't have a bus, so somehow we're liberal. And today, people have this idea where they want to elevate their tradition above the Word of God. And see, here's the thing. You say, well, what, what, why do they do it? Jesus gets down to the, the heart of the matter. Look at verse 7. See, this tradition thing is all a cover-up. The cover-up for the real problem. The problem is this. Your heart. Notice verse 7. Ye hypocrites. What did Isaiah prophesy of you saying? This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The, the cross reference is Isaiah 29. Let's go there so you can look at it. Isaiah says the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 29. Look at verse 13. We'll cover it here in Matthew 15. And then later when we get to Isaiah 29, we'll cover it again. Isaiah 29. Look at verse 13. Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah. So we should look at it. Isaiah 29. The problem is this, your heart. The problem is your heart. Isaiah 29, 13 says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as his people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips to honor me. See, so many people, they honor God with their lips. Oh, I want to serve God. Oh, God is number one in my life. Oh, God is everything. But really, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men, the traditions of men. See, the problem is a heart problem. And, and this is what Jesus is teaching. Go back to Matthew 15, look at verse 9. Jesus is teaching... That you ought to be more interested in what comes out of your mouth than what goes into your mouth. He says, but in vain they do worship me. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. I, there's Baptist church. And you, uh, you know, I, I got I to get on everybody from time to time. You know, so tonight's the Baptist. All right. And it's the home team, so it's okay. But you know, I, I grew up in Baptist churches where it was like, if you have facial hair, you're not right with God. You know, I was always like, amen, because I can't grow a beard if I try, you know what I mean? But, you know, they're like, they're like, no one can step behind this pulpit with facial hair. And I'm thinking to myself, you, you, you know Jesus had a beard, right? I mean, have you ever read that in the Bible? But what are they doing? They're elevating the traditions of men. If you're, you have facial hair, you're some sort of a devil. If you don't run a bus ministry, man, you are such a liberal. It's like, look, I, I listen to your preaching. I know who's a liberal. <laughs> he says, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Uh, you don't have Sunday school? And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Now that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man. But that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. He said, Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. So he's saying, What goes into your mouth, what you eat without unwashed hands, and I'm going to, some of your moms are going to be mad at me because you've been trying to teach your kids to wash their hands. Okay? I'm not telling honor your parents, kids, alright? Wash your hands before you eat. But here's what Jesus is saying. You ought to be less worried about the dirt on your fingernails getting into the food that you put in your mouth. And you ought to be more worried about what comes out of your mouth. Verse 16. And Jesus said, are ye also yet without... Look at verse 15. We're going to come back to, to verses uh, 14 through 
I'm sorry, 12 through 14 here in a second, but look at verse 15. Because he, he said, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. And in verse 15, then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. So he said, well, Jesus, can you explain this to us? Verse 16, and Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth into, in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast into the drought? Now look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be vulgar, okay? But here's what Jesus is saying. What goes into your mouth, goes into your belly, then goes into the toilet. Alright? I mean, is that clear? Is that not what he said? He said, those things would proceed out of them. Uh, I'm sorry. Do not ye, verse 17, ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth, goeth into the belly, and is cast out into the drop. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeded evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. He says, look, what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your heart, that's what defiles a man. He says, to eat with an unwashed that doesn't defile a man. Here's the question, what comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your heart? Because that's who you really are. And here's the point. You can, all, you can be all clean on the outside, but is your heart clean before God? Go back to verse number 9. Let me just give you some practical things. What can we learn from this? We're, we're almost done. It's a short lesson tonight. What can we learn from this? Well, the first thing we can learn is don't teach doctrines of men as commandments of God. Matthew 15.9, look what he says. But in vain they do worship me. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You know, that's why at Verity Baptist Church, we try to do the best that we can. And I'm just a human, and I'm sure I make mistakes, and I misspeak and say things that I shouldn't say. But we try to do the best we can to teach the Word of God. And to teach it from the Bible. And when we say something, we try to prove it from the Word of God. Because look, it's not my job. And, and I try to tell you, if I'm giving you my opinion or my preface, I try to say, hey, this is my opinion. There's something I do. I can't really prove this from the Bible, but I just feel like this is what God would have me to do. I try to give you that. And I like and I try to tell you, when it's the Word of God, thus saith the Lord God. Because the Bible says that we should not teach for doctrines the commandments of men. But here's the other thing you can learn from me. Don't come up with your own standard of righteousness. See, many Christians today, they, 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 they give this idea. It, it is, it's, it, I would say it was funny if it just wasn't so sad. Because I would say the majority of Christians today, they come up, they, you know, we look at the Pharisees and we think, you guys are so dumb. But yet, so often we as Christians, we set up our own bar of righteousness. And we say, okay, here's the standard for righteousness in my life. You know. And then you hit your own standard and you pat yourself on the back like you did something great. And we ought to learn that, look, it is God who we're attaining to. It is God's word that is the standard. You know, I, I, I have Christians say to me, they'll say, well, I think it's, and by the way, whenever, you're, whenever these words come out of your mouth, I think whatever you're going to say afterwards is already useless. Because <laughs> it came from your heart. That's what Jesus said, right? That which goeth into the mouth, that's not what the Bible man, that comes out of your heart. So if somebody says to me, well, I think that, I, I just kind of like start humming in my head like, because it doesn't matter. Okay, now if you say, don't say the Lord God, hey, that matters, alright? But here's the point, when somebody, I had a Christian, somebody said to me, well, I think that, you know, it's okay to drink as long, you know, you can drink alcohol as long as you do it in moderation, you know, but, you know, as long as you don't get drunk. Okay, but here's the question I have. Where did you get that from? Where does it say that in the Bible? Because my Bible says to not even look 
upon the wine. My Bible says that God doesn't even want you looking at it. And if you're saying, well, Jesus turned water into wine, just talk to me after the service, okay? That's not what the verse is talking about. But here's the point, you know, and here's the question I want to ask you. It was like, where, where did you get that from? Did you get that from the Well, I just think that God is okay with, okay, then you're a Pharisee because here's what you're doing. And here's what you got to understand. When we make traditions with men, here's what we do. We set up a standard of righteousness that is easy for us to attain, but other people don't attain. And then we feel special or we feel spiritual because we hit our standard of righteousness that we set up and then we look down at the other. So I don't have a beard, so I'm going to look down at everybody else that has a beard and say, you're not right with God because you having a beard is of the devil. And the Bible never even said that. The Bible never said that you can drink in moderation. But you'll say, well, I think it's okay to drink in moderation because I drink in moderation, so that must be okay. And then I'm going to look at the guy that gets drunk and look down at him and say, you're not right with God. You're a Pharisee, my friend. And we set up this standard of righteousness. And here's the question I have. I'm not against, I'm not against what people do. I just, you know, people say, well, I think, I don't think we need to go to church three times a week. Okay, well, if you think that, that's great. I, I was humming in my head. I wasn't listening. As soon as I heard the words, I think. I don't even know, know what you said. But people say, I don't think you need to go to church three times a week. I think God is okay with if I just go to church on Sunday morning. Okay, here's my question. Where did you get that from? Where does it say that in the Bible? Well, I just think that, here's what you did. You hit your level of righteousness and your standard of righteousness. And you say, well, if I do this, okay, I'm not going to take care of my mom and dad because that's a lot of work. I'm not going to change their diaper when they're 91 years old because that's a lot of work. I'm not going to bathe them because that's a lot of work. I'm not going to feed them, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner because that's a lot of work. But here's what I will do. I'm going to put $5 in the offering plate and then I'm going to say that because I put $5 in the offering plate. Now I don't have to do that and I'm going to wash my hands and then when I find somebody who didn't wash their hands, I'm going to accuse them of not being spiritual. And we've made a God of our own imagination. Why don't you just go ahead and say, you're an idolater. You've made up a God. That's not in the Bible. You've made your own... Well, I don't think we need to go to... Whatever. I don't think we need to go... I don't know why that pastor keeps talking about soul winning. You know why I talk about it so much? Because when you preach the Bible, you kind of have to preach what the Bible says. And the Bible just happens to talk a lot about soul winning. And then people say, well, I don't think we need to go soul winning. Okay, well, just say Just say it. Just say it for me. I am an idolater. I made up a God. And I made up a God that's easy for me to serve. So that I can pat myself on the back and feel spiritual. Because that's what the Bible says. But God says, hey, I want you to do what I told you. I had somebody tell me. Somebody said to me, well, I, I think that as a Christian, when you get a divorce, you need to wait at least two years before you start dating. Where did you get that from? The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that if you got a divorce, you just remain unmarried for the rest of your life. Period. End of story. That's what the Bible says. But see, here, here's what they do. They say, you, oh, you need to remain unmarried for two years. They totally made that up. Just pulled that out of their thumb. So they can look at people who don't do that and say, I'm more spiritual than you are. But where did you get that from? You, you didn't get it from the Bible. Where did you get Sunday school from? You didn't get it from the Bible. Where did you get bus ministry from? You didn't get it from the Bible. Where did you get, you know, altar calls? You didn't get it from the Bible. It's, if it's a tradition, say it's a tradition. But why don't you just get to the place where you can say in your life, my traditions are more, I don't really care what the Bible says. I don't really care what God expects. I don't really care what God thinks. I've already made a standard of righteousness that's easy for me to meet. And that makes me feel good. And that makes me feel spiritual. And pastor, I don't really like it that you're often telling me what I'm doing wrong. Now here's the point. Look what it says. Matthew 5, look at verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, 
Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard the saying? You'll say to me, Pastor, do you know when you preach that, you're really offended so Because when you pick an idol in their head, the idol they made up and they were worshiping, that offends people. And you know, let me just tell you something. As an independent federal Baptist that actually preaches the Word of God, that's in season, out of season, you just learn, you learn to realize that people come and go. And I'll be honest with you, this church is not for everyone. Because this church is really for individuals that are interested in the Word of God. And look, on Sunday morning, there were people that walked out of this church upset because of what I preached. Yet I proved it from the Bible. We went to like 150 verses. I mean, I preached for like an hour and 50 minutes on the subject of the Jews not being God's chosen people. We went to like every book in the New Testament. We looked at some books in the Old Testament. I mean, it was as clear as could be. And yet some people walk out of here and say, well, that's not what I've been taught. Okay, just say, your traditions are more important than the Word of God. You are an idolater. You have made up a God that you like, but it's not the God of the Bible. And when you tell people that, it offends them. They don't like it. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Now notice Jesus' response. Oh no, let me go after them and bring them some flowers so that they can feel better. Is that what he said? Look at verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. Did you notice what he said? Let them alone. Why? They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. He's saying, you're following... It's funny to me because people try to argue with me about this pre-trib thing. And here's the the thing. There's no Bible to prove the pre-tribulation rapture. So you know what they do? They say, well, the, the Jews have this Jewish outline of their wedding. And the Jewish wedding outline, it goes down and, and shows us, you know, that the pre-tribulation rapture is true. So here's, here's, what I, here's what I always ask people when they tell me that. I say, okay, so you're going to allow a Jewish rabbi give you his wedding outline and get the rapture from that. Instead of the word of God. Here's what it is. It's blind leading the blind. You're going to allow the spiritual leader of an antichrist and satanic religion to teach you the Bible. And here's, here's my, my, my attitude. Is let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And they're going to fall into a ditch. They don't even know what they're talking about. Now, I don't know if you noticed. But when you walked into church this morning. The sign outside says Baptist. I don't really care what the Jews teach. I don't really care what the Pentecostals teach. I don't really care what the Calvinists teach. I don't care what the Mormons teach. I don't care what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. None of those people are saved. None of those people don't have the Holy Spirit. They cannot understand Scripture. They are blind. And when blind people follow blind people, they're just going to end up falling into a ditch. And instead of wasting your time, you've got, just, just let them alone. Just let them alone. Let them alone. They don't get it. You say, why don't they get it, Pastor? Because they're not saved. That's why they don't get it. Right, because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Because the carnal man cannot understand spiritual things. That's what the Bible says. Verse 14. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So what was the application? Here's the application. Don't make up a God. Don't make up some standard of righteousness that you... And here's what's interesting about people's standard of righteousness. They always, they always pick the one they're doing. You know, 
Because of course, you know, if it, if I was gonna be, if I was gonna, I was gonna say like, man, you need to be tithing Sunday morning. You need to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You need to be soul winning. You need to be, you know, reading your Bible every day. You know, but the guy who doesn't read his Bible every day, well, I think God, as long as you read it, you know, every once in a while, and you just make up your own God. So here, here's here's the question. Figure out your standards in life. Figure out what you've set in your life to like pat yourself on the back and to make yourself spiritual. And compare it to Scripture. And, and look at it and say, okay, did I get this from the Bible? The, the, my, my schedule for church attendance, or my schedule for Bible reading, or my schedule for prayer, or the way that I give financially, or the way that I witness, or the, the way that I uh, raise my children, or the way that I treat my husband, or the way that I treat my wife, the, the things that I do in life. Did, did, did I get that from the Word of God? Or did I just kind of make that up? And I just kind of pat myself in the back because I hit my own standard of righteousness. Because that's what the Pharisees were doing. I'm not going to care for my family. I'm just going to put an extra dollar in the offering plate and call it good. That's what people do. Today, I, I heard of a guy who said, who said to his pastor, he said, I'm not going to tithe because my family is my ministry and when I, I buy them groceries from the tithe. Okay, just say, you have made up a God that does not exist. He only exists in your mind. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. Just as as I've been studying Isaiah this week and reading the rest of the prophets, I I realize how upset, God, you get with idolatry. Father, it's just becoming so clear to me. We think of idolatry as something that they did in the Old Testament when they worshipped idols. Ezekiel talks about the idols of your heart. And Lord, it's just become so clear to me recently how idolatrous of a people we really are. When we just set up our little checklist of things that we do to make ourselves feel better and don't deal with the real things that the Bible tells us to do. Father, help me to not be that type of individual. Help there to be one person in this room tonight that would would change something, that would say, man, I'm doing that. I'm doing that in this area. I'm I'm kind of excusing myself in this area. I know that's not what the Bible says, and I've kind of just made that my own little standard of righteousness. Lord, help help this to be a night where we would take this lesson and really look into our hearts and realize, are we keeping the commandments of God, or are we just teaching for doctrine the traditions of man? We love you, Lord. Help us to always put your word above everything, above everyone to elevate it and to realize that the only thing that matters is the Word of God. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.